step forward. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Then and Now podcast. I'm your co-host, C. Diesel. To the left of me, I have Lelouch V. Bundled up Lelouch V today. Uh, to the right of me, I have Professor E, King of the Comics, Ethan Murphy. Professor E. Man, how y'all doing today, brothers? Y'all doing good? I, I am ecstatic. Uh, yeah. We are here to get, today to talk about one of my favorite movie franchises, so I'm, I'm in a good place. Facts. Facts. I, I'm good, too, man. I'm, I'm actually a lot warmer than Otis, uh, although he does look pretty fashionable in the, that scarf and hat, though. So I, I ain't it hating is it too much. It's more gorgeous made this for me. A word? Okay. That's plain. Uh, yeah, guys, sorry about the tardiness. We had some unforeseen circumstances come up, so the show started a little bit later than usual, but it's fine. You know, yeah, we, we're, we're, we're on CPT, obviously. So Exactly. But guys, let's go ahead and get into it. This is the, the big thing of the, of the show today that's probably going to take up a good bit of the time because we're going to be covering not only one, not two, not three. Well, actually, it is three. I'm tripping. We're covering Creed 3 and the rest of the Creed trilogy um, and kind of get into Heat. that. You said what? You said we're not the Miami Heat. Ah, weird. No, one, that was a time. That was two, a time. I hated them. Oh, yeah. That was. <laughs> Good old days, man. Back when I hated LeBron with the passion. That happened. That but happened. anyway, saw it happen. Getting into the show, Creed three. Well, let's let's go ahead and start with the trilogy in general, uh, from the from the from the jump. How do you guys feel about the overall trilogy and the way it turned out? Uh, we can start with Otis. Um, I mean, the, one of the the first Creed movie is one of my all time favorite movies. Uh, that's something that me and E have talked about before. Uh, I relate pretty heavily to Adonis as a person i mean mm-hmm. seeing a person that has a lot of some some of those anger issues and trying to resolve that and to focus into becoming a better version of himself i can definitely relate to that pretty heavily so i mean seeing him in his journey felt like a uh, me watching somebody do what I, what I wanted to do so i related to it really heavily um the first movie is like i said is one of my all-time favorite movies the second one not not as much. Uh, we 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 uh, we can get to them uh, piece by piece as we yeah, keep we'll, going. We'll but, piece uh, it. We'll piece it. Yeah. The second one is uh, definitely my least favorite of the three, and then uh, the third one this has been a solid dismount. I have my issues with some things about it, and we'll get to that too. Mm-hmm. But uh, overall, I'm I'm a big friend of this franchise, and um, I'm looking forward to seeing more from it because apparently, like you know, they got the an anime series coming with uh, from this on Amazon now, so. I'd be sick. I, I ain't even heard of that. I'm not surprised. Michael B. Jordan is a, what a, it's a blurred and a half. Yeah, dude. It's Mr. Director now, man. Hey, for a directorial yeah. debut, it wasn't bad. So I'm ready to see him direct more stuff. Absolutely. Uh, but yeah, for people that don't know, before we get, I'll let Ode, uh, Ethan go. Uh, we're going to be covering this pretty much sequentially from movie one to three. And obviously saving the best for last. We won't spend too much time on the first two because everybody's seen them. But we're going to be getting through the uh, them sequentially um, and getting through the trilogy itself. He's saying the best for last. That's his opinion. That is not our opinion. Matter of fact, Otis and I, <laughs> Otis and I have a completely different opinion. Uh, the first movie, by the way, which has a ninety-five percent reading on on tomato, uh, Rotten Tomatoes, is uh, one of my favorite films of all time. It was definitely a favorite film for two thousand fifteen. Not only was it a good movie, but it influenced my life so much that I literally, in two thousand fifteen, after I saw it, uh, it made me. It really did compel me to go ahead and get up off my ass and move to L.A. I literally, I grew out my mustache and this cap. I didn't have this before I saw Creed. I got this after I saw it. Damn. So that, that's how much it, it changed me. Uh, I knew who Michael B. Jordan was because I'd seen Fruitville and I'd seen um, Friday Night Lights and I'd seen The Wire and even seen Chronicle too. But it wasn't like I was like, yo, Michael B. Jordan is the greatest of all time. It wasn't until I saw Creed, I was like, yo, he's the greatest of all time. So, oh, so uh, this movie, and like Otis said before, I was, I was able to relate to the character uh, at the very end. In a different way, I don't have anger issues necessarily, but at the very end, when he says I had to prove it, he says, Prove what? Prove that I'm not a mistake. I felt like a mistake several times in my own life for various reasons. And for him to say that's why he's his motivation for everything he's doing is that he wants to prove to himself that he's not that he's more than, than nothing. Uh, that's why I love the movie so much. So, so yeah, that's my first take on that. Interesting. It's been from I don't know about Otis, but I know this is information that I was not privy to initially beforehand. Mm-hmm. It's like a year of us doing the show, so it's interesting. Good to know. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Uh, for me, I also enjoyed this trilogy. Me seeing it more recently, I think like up until like a couple of days before I saw the third one. Um, I also identify with Adonis to at least on the on the front of the imposter syndrome that I feel like he had to an extent. Him more so because he had a legacy 
um, that he wanted to prove that he was an old man. But I definitely understand the concept of rising to success really fast and feeling as though that you did you get a bit of my accident? Was it what well, did you deserve it? Things of that nature. But I, I think that goes as credited to just how well written characters to me are within the trilogy. But I feel like that he deals with the imposter syndrome a bit more in part two than part one. I feel yeah. like to an extent the first one because I mean the baby creed thing was a thing throughout the entire trilogy of like that nickname of like people like he even said in the first one he didn't even go by that initially. Right, he didn't go by Creed, his family name at all. Yeah. 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 Um, but yeah, getting into the first one though, how did you again? Otis said it's one of his favorite movies of all time. He gave it, I think you said earlier, like an eight or nine out of ten. Uh, and then shit, we already know how Ethan felt about it. Ethan gave us the whole soliloquy about it. For me, I okay. thought it was I thought it was I thought it was dope. I thought it was solid. I enjoyed it. Um I think it, looking at the other two compared to the first one, it, you can tell it's a little bit more raw. And you can see, at least for me, you can see the development and the quality of Michael B's acting going throughout. Because he was good in the first one, but seeing his ability to like express emotion a lot more and kind of act out different scenarios, you can you can see that growth there in, in the time gaps and stuff. So um, part of it, you think his acting is better as the movies go on? Yeah, it's interesting I think he just because I, better. I, it's uh, and this obviously is debatable. So it's it's subjective. Mm-hmm. I think in the first film, his personality, he has more range. In the second film, he's pretty much Vegeta mode mm-hmm. the entire time. He He's more or less a jerk most of the, that movie. He doesn't really have as much range in it. The third movie he has, he's almost more Goku, more peaceful. He's a family man and everything. Like, I get into mm-hmm. spoilers, but he's more of a family man. I think the first movie shows the most range. He does get angry, really, really angry. But he also jokes around the most with Rocky. He seems the most like endearing when he's, when he's talking to uh, Tessa Thompson. He's also the most vulnerable when he makes mistakes. So it, mm-hmm. I feel like he has the most range in the first movie, ironically enough. Yeah, he felt the most natural uh, yeah. there to me. Like it, it felt like he was less acting and more being the role. Like uh, it, it felt very, uh, yeah, very, just very natural to me. Like yeah. it, I, I didn't feel like he was trying to be Adonis. He was yeah. Michael B. as Adonis, essentially. Like you know, uh, like a lot of the greats do. Like I mean. Yeah, uh, I'm not gonna go on random tangent. Stay, staying here on Creed. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, he, he felt he felt very natural in that. Um, in the first one, in the second one, well, it's still in the first one. Now we're gonna get into the second oh, yeah, one. In well, a second. Okay, that's fine. Yeah, um, you can tell that. Uh, like I feel like a lot of the interactions that he had with the characters were might have been some improv, just because it felt like things that he would say normally. It. it, it he, he he felt very grounded and and uh, rugged, which is who the character was. So it made sense. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, real quick to piggyback off of that, some of the scenes I know were improv. For example, there's a scene where he's with Bianca in her room. She's playing the little piano thing, and he's doing a freestyle rap. That was yeah. improv. Everything he says during that rap was free was improv. Uh, and then there's the part where he's walking with Rocky down the street, and he goes he goes uh, make him an offer he can't refuse. He impersonates. Uh, Marlon Brando, that was improv right. too. So he did actually, he actually was, like you said, he was embodying this. He was being Michael B in lots of senses. He was still actually, he still was, of course, acting and doing the script stuff, but he was also using his own natural character charisma with the character too. I agree. Uh, definitely as far as like the, he, he felt like he was that character. But for me, I think that plays into his ability to act when, at least for me, when I'm looking at acting, I'm looking at you being able to portray something that, or get into a character. For me, that's what I really enjoy. And again, I, that doesn't that doesn't say that doesn't mean that I don't enjoy characters that are like natural to the character they're playing. That's also great, but I felt like he didn't have to try as hard to embody that. Again, I can't speak for him, um, but it's just from my perspective. It seemed like because that that role was so natural to him, he was able to do it a lot more enthusiastically because that was him. I feel like as you get into the series where he becomes things like where he's a father and he's married now, in which these are roles that he's never had in his life. I mean. As far as we know, he didn't have any hidden Drake kids. Uh, <laughs> and as far as we know, he's not married yet. So him being in the roles that are, are natural to him, I, I like seeing him in those roles. And then when it comes to the first one, like you guys said, he was the underdog. He was hungry. It felt like he was in that one gear for that movie, while the other ones, he felt like he had to adjust to things being thrown at him. Like he's in a position where he's comfortable in the second and third movie and something gets thrown at him. He has to adjust and he has to react to the things that are around him. Um, but I guess we can get into the second one now, unless you guys have any other thoughts on the first one before we move on. That's fine. 
but yeah, for the second one, for me personally, the second one was my favorite. Well, not my favorite out of the three, but up until I saw the third one, this was my favorite. I thought it was the best. I enjoyed the he he was an underdog in the first one, but he felt even more like an underdog in this one from the from the choreography to me. Uh just based off the fact that Drago was so much bigger than him, and you saw him struggle significantly trying to to fight him and go through that, go through that way of doing that. I think so much so that I think Rocky had to show him like not a different style of boxing, but they went and they had to change up the way they trained and the way he went about that fight to to finish that out. And then I also enjoyed that for that one, kind of like similar to the third one, we not only got development from Adonis himself, but from the antagonist in that film. We learned a lot about Drago's past and seeing his dynamic with his father and how he felt about his mother leaving and things like that. I thought that was really dope to see the development from both sides. So at least for me personally, I felt like whenever the, the camera wasn't on Adonis, there was still some good stuff going on there, um, which, I mean, it's just a little bit more world building to me personally. I enjoyed that. Yeah, I, I think that's the thing. The biggest takeaway for me, my, my favorite part of Creed Part 2, which is 83% on Rotten Tomatoes, which is actually the lowest so far, is the lowest ranked on Rotten Tomatoes is Creed mm-hmm. 2, uh, is the story for Drago, for Victor Drago. Um, his story, because he's, like you said, he's not a villain. Ricky Conlon, he's pretty much a villain. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Victor Drago is very much, just, he's just an antagonist. We're seeing his story. He's such a likable character that A, he's getting his own spinoff series of films or whatnot for that character. And B, uh, there were other scenes with him that had to get deleted because they said, yo, they're making him too likable. So mm-hmm. clearly he has a very compelling story. He makes lots of sense. I enjoyed him a lot. And I was glad to see him come back, spoiler alert, in Creed 3, uh, basically as the brawly to Creed's Drago, mm-hmm. to, to, sorry, to, Creed, to, to Creed's Goku as far as them training for fun, mm-hmm. essentially. Uh, so it was, um, I, I, I think the Creed story or motivation is the most basic in Creed 2 and also kind of the weakest. It's he, he loses a fight and he kind of goes insular and doesn't really talk much or do much. He's just kind of pouting. He and he snaps at Rocky mm-hmm. and, and their and their relationship falls apart. It's kind of like it that mm-hmm. didn't work for me. And also you mentioned the training, the training that he has. It's like I'm not sure what this is. It's like we, we gotta beat a Russian, let's train in a desert. I know in some of the deleted scenes, it kind of goes a little bit more into that, but it doesn't quite seem mm-hmm. as connective. So so I wasn't quite as I still enjoy watching it. I think Stephen Cable Jr., the way he directs fight scenes is more compelling than essentially Ryan Cooler in some sense. It's meant to be more flashy, but mm-hmm. overall, I just didn't enjoy this, this storytelling as much with Cooler at the helm as it did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Part one. Go ahead. Oh, I know Oban Wade. I've been so, watching I mean, his face the whole time. Before, before I start on this, I, I do enjoy this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a movie that I do rewatch occasionally. Like I, I enjoy Creed 2. Mm-hmm. But I mean, besides Dra- Drago as a character, because I think they that he was really well done in that movie. Mm-hmm. I don't like much about like anything else. Like I felt like uh, Creed was so brooding that entire movie that he didn't even feel like an actual person. Tessa mm-hmm. Thompson, like none of her lines like felt compelling to me in the slightest. Like I, yeah. I just didn't care about anything she said in that entire film. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought the choreography actually was the weakest. Like, I mean, the the, the way that they 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 showed the scenes was highlighted a little bit better than uh, what they showed in the first Creed. Like, uh, the construction of them, mm-hmm. but like the actual fight choreography, like the the punches right. for punches, yeah. they didn't really feel as compelling as they did mm-hmm. to me in the first one or in this this third one. Mm-hmm. That we're gonna be talking about, and um. And like the the whole trying to force this uh, cancer storyline on Rocky, like I I don't really feel like that actually like helped the story at all. I think it was just like another element that was there. Yeah, yeah. So so the cancer you tell me he has cancer. That's in part one, right? Though Rocky no, that's, has, the, that's, that's the second one. Where is the cancer? Yeah. Where they so it's part one where they fight the cancer together, and he has to he's because that's because Rocky oh, Sylvester Sloan was nominated for an Oscar for part one because hmm. he's dealing with cancer. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. was the first one, wasn't it? Yeah, that uh, but no, the, they they deal with it more in the second one, don't they? Like, uh, no, the second one's more the about one, the father's, yeah, he leaves right, to go right, at the, at the right. end, yeah, you're absolutely that's right. so for that one, that's probably the second. So, the second movie, I, I, I love the the sub dynamic of being a father and being a parent mm-hmm. and parenting, you're but right, also right. trying to deal with the extra the bullshit that, that you have death. going on, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. why the second movie had my favorite scene in the franchise where. He takes his daughter to the gym because he's like trying to watch her, but he's also going through whatever depression he has from like that loss. Mm-hmm. So he's trying to find that balance. And you kind of see him like 
slowly explode and where he's like punching the bag, but his daughter's there. It, to me, I like that scene. I like the way that scene was done. And I love the, maybe again, I'm the fatherless bastard of the podcast. So having the dynamic of having somebody that's young and doesn't have a dad around, try to be a father when you don't have the proper example of such. And then also dealing with your own personal stuff. I like that dynamic. And I thought that was well done there personally, mm-hmm. but. So yeah, I mean, let me recant the the stuff with Rocky because that was the first one. That that's because I watched one and two back to back last night. So mm-hmm. I, I think I'm blending the scenes because like I was just like, yeah, this doesn't feel in place with him dealing with everything else in the second movie. Sweet, so, right? Yeah, that's way too much in one movie. Good lord. No, but yeah, like. I I just felt Michael B's character was the least compelling in the second one. Like I don't I don't I don't, I don't dislike him. I don't think that it, he did like a trash performance or anything like that. But mm-hmm. in comparison to what he did in his own work, this right. was the weakest to me. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah uh, I see your point yeah. there. I agree with you. That's a Thompson point though, as far as like she felt yeah. like she was kind of not even yeah. around a lot for that second one. Doesn't really do much. Her 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 storyline is to get pregnant. Mm-hmm. Basically, um, it was cool to see Felicia Rashad show up more in part two because she was in the beginning. Because I love Felicia Rashad, and she was in the beginning of part one, and she did a really good job. And then she's pretty much out of it until the very end when she's watching him on TV. Um, the thing about with with part two, as you mentioned, Charlie, the I, I like this scene too. Reason the gym he's training, he's trying to because he brings her there because she's crying. She can't get, she can't get her to stop crying. Essentially, uh, Amara. Mm-hmm. And then finally, when he, when he he starts crying himself while he's punching the bag, and she stops and watches him, I like that scene too. Mm. But it's it's Otis said he's kind of brooding the whole time, and it's I think what I love most about Creed one was the father figure. Creed grew up without a father figure, and it's so much so that if you remember, mm. it, maybe this is it's a very specific detail when he's watching at the beginning of the movie, he's watching the old old footage on YouTube of of a Creed and the Rocky fighting. He stands in place of Rocky. Fighting against Apollo, not Apollo fighting against Rocky. Mm-hmm. He's still mad at his dad. He he has abandonment issues. That's the problem he's dealing with very mm-hmm. much. So, so you see that he actually gravitates towards Rocky because he sees Rocky as a as a father figure. He calls him uncle, but he sees him as a father figure. So when mm-hmm. he actually so in the second movie when he when he, when he pushes them away so hard that they're no longer together, it's kind of like, why would you do that? Why would you get rid of your father figure? That makes it it doesn't quite add up. You'd be I don't know. I, I, it so that's why it kind of uh, rubbed me the wrong way in that sense. True. I understand. I see you on that point. I personally from I, I agree with you on that standpoint as far as I think Rocky should have been a lot more around a lot more, especially with the dynamic of him being a father now. I thought that would have been the thing to do. Like he was there. I think he was around for like the birth, but I don't think he was around for much of the stuff after that or even in, I don't think he was around for the third one at all. So I, I thought no, that would have been a, I thought there was a lost potential there to have some scenes with the three of them and kind of him showing him the ropes, but even then that would have been kind of weird because Rocky wasn't the best father himself either, so he was kind of learning alongside Adonis from that aspect as far as being a father, which is mm-hmm. how you got him in the end of the second movie going to actually see his kids right. um, and meeting his grandchild and things of that nature. Uh, but yeah, the, the, for me, I felt like the first one was a sense of things came really natural and really fast to Adonis's character. Like he went from not having much professional experience at all to training with one of the best boxers of all time, getting really good, and then in like one fight, now you're world now, you are world famous, and then you get the the title in the second one. From then on is when he gets because now you're on top of the mountain, people are gunning for you. Now he has a lot more conflict personally to me that I see in the second or third one going on, especially now that he has not just he can only focus on fighting now. Now he has a daughter to take into account, he has a wife to take into account, he has a lot of other stuff outside of him. That first one, you can just just worry about your passion and just get there. He felt like to me a more fully fleshed out character in the second and third one because as a regular person, very unless you're really young, very really can you only focus on your passion 100%. You have other things outside of your passion that affects the way you handle that. So I, it, to me, it yeah. felt I I personally attached myself to the character a lot more in the second and third one. But so I, I see where you're coming from. The idea, yeah, it's there's a lot more going on as far as his own personal life he has to deal with. Mm-hmm. But it, but it wasn't. I guess his personal his personal life didn't seem that compelling or interesting. He's you gotta remember the mm-hmm. second one, which takes place I guess like roughly it's gotta be at least a year if not more from the first one because he he's been he's been boxing long enough now that he has like 20 more matches under his belt. 
he's able to fight Mike fight. Wheeler as far as a, to be. Yeah, it's got to be years later. It's got to be a couple years. They said the whole thing was two years. The Canal guy was. They said he was older at that point, so it had to be at least like three to four, maybe five. I mean, boxing like you you're doing a max two fights a year mm-hmm. so if he's done 20 i mean because his record was like was much higher I think like 18 mm-hmm. more fights something crazy mm-hmm. so yes it's it's years later he's, he's been fight, when he's able to fight uh stuntman again um for the for the title fight and the thing about it is with the with the second one it doesn't quite seem i guess with the first movie it's my own personal life that character in that story is a lot more relatable the idea of being you said an underdog but seeing someone that you're trying to you're going for what you want he mm-hmm. the, yeah, I remember at the beginning he walks away from a he just gets a promotion at a job I guess in banking and finance. He yeah. walks away from it to to literally go and move in. A, you guys have been in my apartment. You know my house, my apartment, right. my, nothing. Uh, he goes to live in a place. They say it's smaller than my place. Uh, he, he leaves. He, he loses his car. Loses his mom's like uh, his mom pretty much is, is like, disowned him, and he goes goes to, lives in a shitty little box of a place, uh, making no money. He's all mm-hmm. that in the first movie. He's a complete underdog, and he tries to have a relationship with Rocky. That that doesn't start off for a while. Then he goes and loses matches against my stuntman. He's and he actually the, the movie ends with him losing again. So mm-hmm. he's still actually still very much mm-hmm. trying to find his his footing. The second film he opens with him being coming the champion. He's a rich, you know, very successful. He has a beautiful woman that that's, agrees to marry him. He's all mm-hmm. these things going from all these all these things on the up and up for him and so to speak. But he lost one match and he's pretty much pouting and, and brooding the entire time. I mm-hmm. couldn't relate to being a rich, successful boxer. With a beautiful wife and a beautiful baby on the way, brooding all the time. That just I, for mm-hmm. me personally, there's something to connect to. That's interesting. Um, I know for at least for me and Ethan, we have Otis a lot. No, no, me and you. Uh, and we okay. we have a lot more connection personally to the types of to different parts of the story because again, that was where you were in life for the first one. For me, I feel like I connected to him a little bit more in the second one. With you guys know my life at that point in time where I had a lot of great positive things happened to me back to back to back and then had that huge thing that kind of hit me i think like a year ago up until this past february that kind of threw me for a loop so i have all the success and now i have to deal with this crazy thing that this insurmountable thing where now i'm kind of trying to continue to do my positive things but i'm also dealing with this i don't know for me that's probably why that second one which is interesting how people's connection to movies can be like that but at least for me i think i attribute a lot of my like uh ability to like this movie at least the second one is due to the connections i had to my own personal life there sure. that's I, I, that's, granted it's a biased way to look at it but i think that's how art in general impacts yeah. people in general you kind of find Absolutely. what you connect to yeah. for There's me no like no yeah. him brooding the way that he was in the second one was, was kind of weird to his character because like mm-hmm. you had gone through so much in your youth for these things to affect you to this level once you have all of this in the back kind of was like strange to me mm-hmm. but i mean uh, there there's always gonna be bad things that come along with good things too so i mean mm-hmm. i'm saying that you can't react negatively to them but to brew to the, that level like he felt batman-ish uh on some part yeah. today mm-hmm. i'm a punisher like frank castle i was like right. yeah yeah like, well to your point on that we do it. He does acknowledge in that third one that he never dealt with the stuff in his past. He kind of just mm-hmm. pretended it like in his own words, he acted like it never existed and kind of just kept moving. That's fair. That's it's fair. like the more he has to like encounter issues and actually deal with them. And he can't just act like they don't exist. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's, he's ever dealt with them before. So it is at least I know I'm like that to where like your self-defense mechanism is to shut down and retreat into yourself. Yes. And I see what you're saying. I think this kind of had the issue as almost like backsliding, like, um, because we do see it at the low point in the first film, at the end of the second act, where he goes to prison, he, or, or jail, goes to jail for overnight because he is the pun- punching out the fight promoter, the uh, yeah, the promoter the at, one, right? at yeah in the first one, yeah. where he punches out the promoter at the fight after he after he calls him Baby Creed, right? At mm-hmm. the in and, and he's at when, when he's in prison, Rocky comes to see him and he tells him, you know, I know how how it feels and, and all these things and everything. He's that's very much he's dealing with his anger there too. Mm-hmm. So for him to move forward with Rocky and different than what they go through together for months. For him to come back in the second film and depend to be like at even lower point, being even lower, more angry, more brooding, even more quiet. It's kind of like all that progress you had in the first movie is gone. And mm. now we're at somehow negative below ground zero. How, how does that happen? Well, he doesn't start uh, the yeah. movie brooding. He, he, when he starts the movie, he's ecstatic. Like all the great right. things in his life are happening. The issue comes when the happens, you know. up until that point to a Rocky, he hadn't really had much of a disagreement. Like everything they kind of went through was like again this is the this is the first like rough patch in the road well i mean the, the, me the, i look at the relationship with rocky like he was in, when you're in, in the, jail i thought that was a rough patch 
not well kind of sort of that was more of an issue with him not really an issue with rocky per se like the second movie is when he has issues with rocky of him saying that oh you don't believe in me you don't think i can do this because up until that point i look at at least the way i perceive it is when you're in a honeymoon phase phase of a relationship where things are kind of always progressing and you don't yet hit that first disagreement that second movie is when they hit that disagreement of like oh now you don't believe in me we did all this stuff up to this point but now you don't believe in me and they hadn't really had that disagreement up until that point to me that's significant of where he just decides to not train him because i don't think you should do this okay. versus the first two movies the first movie it's i don't really believe in myself i want to take that part of my life out and you're bringing me back into this life the second was like more of an issue with those two versus rocky himself coming coming out of this i don't know that's just that's the way i perceived it okay fair enough fair enough fair enough but but do you get let's already get into the third one do you guys any other closing remarks on the second one no i mean there there was one thing that one of the deleted scenes have you all seen the deleted scenes for creed 2 i have not have you even otis okay so one of the deleted scenes also that i really wish they kept in the movie which makes the third one make more sense at after the fight with drago uh adonis goes and he sits down with him in the in the locker room essentially and he says uh don't let one loss define you, which makes sense as far as he actually has mm -hmm. is a it's a character arc. Now, not that in the theatrical version, that's not there. So, as far as we know, Adonis and Drago have no relationship and they never talk to each other. But he says that don't let one fight, don't let one fight define you. And while he's saying this, you see Drago like off uh Ivan Drago, the dad, uh kind of off mm -hmm. away from the locker room watching this, mm -hmm. essentially. He comes over and he sees that. And that kind of starts the relationship between Drago, uh, Victor Drago, and Creed. Then actually kind of like trying to have a friendship, essentially. And he kind of, I think they give each other some dap and he walks off, essentially. Yeah. Um, and then Rocky, of course, sees Ivan and then they kind of have a stare down and they deal with their stuff. But it's meant to be, I wish that scene was there because it shows that Creed had grown. Also, it shows that he wants to be there for Victor. So in part three, it makes more sense that they're still training together. That you guys want to do a fight with them and stuff. All right. That is one note, too, that I do enjoy about these films, that they have these antagonists and they have these whatever types of beef, but kind of on a similar chord to, like, I guess, like with Dragon Ball, where Very whenever you you, t you tough it out and you go to, the, like, the extremes of, phys like, just getting your emotions out and dealing with those issues, you then build that respect for that person. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. I know I was like that when I wrestled. I had, I had a couple people where, like, I didn't really like them. I didn't really know them personally, but I didn't like them, really. And then we wrestled, built that respect for each other, and now I'm, we're cool to that point. I it's almost like when you're fighting with your auntie and your grandma's like, let the boys go on outside and fight it over, fight it out, and then get it over with. And then come it's, on back it's, it's a it's a guy thing, man. It is what it is. It's a guy mm -hmm. thing. So getting into the third one. This is the the highly anticipated, highly coveted third one that I don't think I've heard any mixed reviews. I think everybody's at least for me, you enjoyed it. Yeah. Some people love it, some people dislike it. It's okay. Um, but I think to me, this third one was a tribute to to nerds and blurs of all kinds with all the <laughs> anime um inspiration and like marks on it from like exact scenes damn near being copied to them having like naruto posters in the background for different places um it was very enjoyable for me like for like a kid in the candy store like oh you see that i know what that is i know what that is um how did how did you guys feel about it initially just like a brief overview well i mean for me this this felt like a legitimate blurred event like this felt mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. two blurs like coming together to make a bigger thing like seeing john majors and uh michael b in this where i i was i was so much anticipating this and i can't really think of the last time i had that much anticipation going into a, a movie like yeah period honestly mm -hmm. uh, so i mean just the fact that i was excited for this and i can go into the movie theater and enjoy this movie to the level I, uh, I did is definitely a, a marker for me. So kudos for that. Um, I, I, again, I got I got certain issues with it, but that's me more so nitpicking and, and talking about things that I, I prefer to see in films. But overall, it was a it was a, definitely a positive experience for me. Yeah, same. I agree. It was a it was an event, and piggybacking off of the blurred event of it. Think about this. It was a, a vast majority uh, black or uh, people of color cast. And at the theater I was at here in Burbank, California, it was a it was a multicultural uh, group of people that came out to see it. There were a bunch of white folks up in there, Latinos, blacks, Asians, everyone in the world was there. Think about that. The last time you saw it, this the, a movie starring predominantly black cast had everyone in the world going to see it. 
I mean, I know Black Panther has some has some credit, but it's mainly from uh, Disney pool too. But this, I mean, this is an event that doesn't happen often. And in the, and then with this, like you said, Otis, for it to be, uh, you said this too, Charlie, for it to be celebrating uh, blurred culture so much, so blatantly, openly, and for mm-hmm. it to be accepted that well, it's like, yo, this is this is something special. This is something different. So I like you, Otis. I have some 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 gripes here or there, but ultimately, it's a really really fun time. Uh, I enjoyed it very much. Stephen A. Smith is in that movie for some reason, but other than yeah, that, yeah. it's still it's well, still. Because Max you know, Kellerman got kicked off the show, so that's why he, it's switched up to Stephen A. But it was it was a genuinely a fun time, man. I, I had a blast. Yeah, I, I I definitely agree. I think this the the rare formula to this this concoction of a movie is that you have the two main stars are people that are like on the top of Hollywood right now, right? Like Michael B being damn near the rock level when it comes to superstardom and movies, Jonathan majors is either right there or right behind him with having three. I don't, I don't think devotion was a number one, but it's a great movie. Well, for now, because I don't know if you guys have seen Magazine Dreams yet. That's something I want oh, to I heard see. Oh, I haven't. Yeah, I heard about it's like it. four yeah. big, mo- big movies out. One of them being a Marvel movie. The other one being Creed. The other ones aren't like almost at AAA, like their games, but they're not to that level, like big box office. But for you to have four movies out simultaneously where you're either the lead or a co-star, he he's right there. He's about to be at that. He's about to be a superstar if he isn't already one. Um, so I, I definitely uh, enjoyed that as well as all the the nerd inspiration that was within this film and how Michael B hyped it up too. I think he gave out the specific uh Goku and Frieza scene like the punch the gut punch. Mm-hmm. Uh he was promoting that everywhere, which mm-hmm. so, side note to anybody that has issues with people being whenever a celebrity says they're a fan of anime and they bring up something that you perceive as casual, just just go home. Go touch grass. I'm sorry. People can like what they like and go touch grass. Like I've heard, I saw a million posts on all the nerd groups about him being a fake nerd or Megan being a fake nerd because fake nerd. They talked about the mainstream anime. And they didn't talk about some random anime with a million, like you know, the anime with like fifteen yeah. different words in the name because they don't watch that or, and promote that. Some some they're, some they're super some now. super off the beaten path anime right. that no one's ever heard of. Like they yeah. like what they like. People I like they didn't watch those anime like. at all. And but, like you're not gonna pretend that. DBZ wasn't like one of your anchors into nerddom in the first place. Right. Like, Everyone, we're not going to yeah. like, if you're a black nerd in America, there is no way that you weren't at least aware of DBZ. <laughs> yeah. We're doing a whole documentary about that now. It's like the two, I mean, that's the single biggest thing that made nerd cult, blur culture exist was DBZ in the mm. 90s. Uh, and then also for a younger generation, for, for Charlie's, Naruto was there too. I mean, he had, he had shout out to Naruto with the posters. Both of them, like, honestly, yeah. I was still running on yeah. uh, Toonami when I was growing up. Yeah. So I mean, yeah. like that whole last fight scene was Obi's whole versus Kakashi, bro. Like that right. was that was what point. that was. was. That's which why I geeked out so much because this, this is my favorite fight scene and one of my favorite scenes in all anime. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Which we'll get into that too as well. I was I was yeah. geeked about that when I saw it. Um. Yeah. But yeah, that was just a side note because that was one thing that irked me up until and after this movie. We're still the, the corniness thing, which again, there's something to be said about black men being the only ones I see in media being called corny whenever they're into something nerdy or I don't know. It's a whole thing. But we, that's yeah. something for a little later day. Hell with them. Hell with them. Uh. But yeah, this film was great to me. Um. First and foremost, I thought the choreography was even and the choreography and the way it was shot was at its peak at this movie to me. Yeah. Uh, favorite fight forever and ever. All men will always be that first fight that Damien uh, had against. I almost called him Canelo, but that's not his name. No, uh, it was this is an actual fighter, right? That was acting in that role. But so was that real? I mean, it yeah, may have been. What was what I name? saw? He was the actual boy, fighter. Yeah. Probably was the one. That, was. He was, uh, he was, yeah, um, he was badass. I can't his name right now. I'm yeah. looking up. Was that, that was Hector? Maybe Hector, something like that. But oh, that, that was that Felix. That's what it was. It was Felix. Felix. It was Felix. Yeah, Felix. Yeah, that was some anime shit. Like that fight, the way he was like slowly dismembered, like he saw a weakness mm-hmm. that they pointed out in that fir- their first encounter, and he was slowly like breaking him down. I was like, "Damn, this is some anime shit!" And he did it in a like, slick way. I'm like, "It felt like Ebo, bro." Like watching. So I mean, Hulk, even yeah. going to yeah. the 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 first fight of the movie when you no, know, you know, Creed is fighting. Um, uh, like I can't remember his name, but you know what I'm talking about. Conley. Yeah, he's Conley. 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 Ricky Conley comes back, Conley. and he said, "It's the same old Creed." Like, yeah. You see, like the moment where you like you see Creed dodging a punch, looking at what he's going. Like they, they, the way that they set that up, that felt so anime. Like it's pure oh, yeah, anime. It's like mega little boxing. Yeah. Okay, yeah. let's get it. Like oh, okay, you know. Oh, same combo comes, dodge it, 
that's the spot. I'm gonna get him next round on Ethan Trip. Funny you know, enough, like, in the videos I've seen of like Michael B talking about the inspirations, he mentioned all those animes inspirations for these fights. Yeah, he like, mentioned Epo, he mentioned Megalo Box, obviously mm-hmm. DBZ and Naruto. Yeah, so, so it's I cold. mean, like for the people that are trying to like check his nerd cred, like stop it. Because what are you talking about? The fact that he's in a position that he's in a big Hollywood film and incorporating any of this culture is huge, right? Like we've mm-hmm. seen it done sloppily how many times before? Every time before. And this was clean. Like you how many times have we seen people try to like sneak in an anime scene and it comes out stupid? Cough, cough, no, uh, nope. Um, yeah, the, 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 mm. like the, the, the double punch that you no know, Goku and Vegeta had, uh, that, right? That, you know, yeah, yeah, it's from the fight, yeah, the second fight in the Boo Saga, yeah. like it was clean, bro. Like it was yeah. very well done, but it was Goku palatable was because you. Right. You can't. I'm sorry, I'm gonna cut you off. Is you can't go so hard into the anime realm that you go Dragon Ball Evolution or whatever. It has to be like people who are who do not care about anime at all had to say I had to be able to watch and enjoy this. I mean, non-casuals had to be able to watch and enjoy this movie as a boxing movie or, or a drama, what have you. Mm-hmm. However, the fans of that of those uh, mediums can still in, appreciate what you're doing, can see the nods, the okay, that makes sense within the realm of boxing and enjoy it. The idea of having almost a, like a uh, uh, not a not a illusion eye, but being able to kind of see what's happening and, and predict or, or you know kind of like Sharingan, yeah, like Sharingan from Naruto, right? Having that kind of an eye to do those kind of things for people that don't know what anime is at all, it can still enjoy what they're watching and say, "Oh, this is cool to have this effect in this movie." But for fans of the of, of anime, like, "Yo, that's dope that he did that, snuck it in there." So it's for people to be upset about. That's crazy. I, I, hate people for people to be upset about that it's like what are you talking about he's shining a light on these things so that we can do that, that much more later on but this, this has been a thing with him for a minute though people have called him corny and a fake anime nerd from since he did that what promo thing with whatever. Whatever. I, don't, I, don't care. I don't care which is wild which i feel like they turned on meg fast because they used to love meg about that that was like everybody loved that she did that and then all of a sudden she's fake yeah. because she does i don't know what's That's wrong drama. People, man why, why, why do you why, why do we want to hate on though why are we gatekeep it why are we gatekeeping our own people first of all that's another thing. I, I mean, this part of that thing we talked about a while back with O'Head and Mike when we discussed people being bullied about it growing up, yeah. and now it's openly yeah. in like welcoming. Yeah. It, it's a whole thing, but yes, it's, it's the yes. episode, I guess. That's cool. was dope. Mm-hmm. Moving into the characters and the development portion of it, I absolutely loved uh, Damian Anderson. I thought it was it was like a perfect mirror into the Adonis Creed of he's just as hungry as you were had just as much natural ability, but he never got a chance that you got. And right. he's in there building up this rage because he's seeing you basically live live his life, essentially. Yes. And when he gets out, I was like, how old is he supposed to be? Because Buddy looks like he could be mid-20s or like late-30s. They kept making it a point to say, well, he's old. I'm like, how old is he supposed to be? <laughs> yeah, he's supposed to be, he's supposed to be up the there. He's supposed to be up there. Yeah, because obviously, the Jonathan Majors is maybe 30-something. He's in his 30s. But, is he in his 30s? He's in his 30s. I can't, I'm not sure. I'm trying to look it up right now. His exact, exact age is, but yeah, it's, I mean, he's still, they age really well, obviously. Crack, crack, yeah. Black don't crack. Uh, both, because the whole idea was this is, it was, he, re- uh, Adonis retired in 2017. Mm-hmm. And this movie is set five years after that. And in boxing terms, athlete, ter- athlete terms, that's a long done, time to yeah. be like, you, you have ring rust on you. And of course, they said that, that uh, Damien was actually older than Adonis. Mm-hmm. So if that's the case, and Damien had didn't have any professional fights under his belt, not really. So it's it's, it's mm-hmm. a long shot within a long shot. Golden gloves. He was golden gloves back in the day, the, right? He was a teenager. Title shot is crazy, right? Right. Like, yeah. Which yeah. It, it's why I think that's that's there's also the anime influence where you get people that just like progress really fast for mm-hmm. no ex- explicable reason. Yeah. But I mean, it it made simple enough sense on why he got the title fight, I guess, and how he promoted it because we've seen people promote it like that in other sporting events as far as like the underdog un- come up story or whatever else we even um, rocky and they mentioned that like that's what happened mm-hmm. to rocky and apollo in the first movie rocky was a nobody and they deliberately had apollo bring up a, a nobody to, for, for a publicity stunt and he almost beat him and the same thing happened with felix versus 
uh, mm. Jamian. So uh, same thing didn't happen because he put Felix in the hospital. No, he, he, he destroyed. Yeah, he, <laughs> that was that was I was uh, that, that was that was an unsettling fight watching those things happen. Bro, like, I was. Jesus. You should have been in the theater. I was at when I was going on. It was dead silent. People was were silent? like, "Oh shit!" Like you could feel the tension in the oh, entire the tension, room. Yeah, yeah. People, it was people were insane. cringing and stuff right in the theater. I was at that seat when I were at. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, I it. It, one thing I also liked about it again, and I don't know if it's more anime, uh, anime theme or just something that uh, he did well in that movie, where he showed the distinctive way that Adonis fought. Like he fought really unorthodox. Mm-hmm. The way he would, oh, you mean Damien? Damien, yeah, I'm sorry. The way Damien would block, like with the two forearms up. Um, things were they're very unorthodox, and they're not the way to go about them. But it also showed how Adonis was able to beat him with all those injuries and all that ring rest because. The guy he was fighting wasn't a trained fighter, so he was able to right. pick him apart. But it was just, it was just dope yeah. to see that brawler style. I love that style, even like how the way he came in. Not like it was almost like he was a soft paw almost, but yeah. it was like a weird version of it. Like it was again, right. it felt very anime ish. It I, reminded I love... me also of Mike Tyson back in the day too, because he all, if y'all remember Mike Tyson back 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 in the day when he first came out, uh, when he was when he was still you know, his rookie season or whatnot. He didn't have mm-hmm. all the hoopla. He was just, mm-hmm. it was him in his trunks, didn't have a cape or anything. He's walked out there, he was bowled out there basically. Almost kicked in the the ropes. It knocked him out in the, in the first minute, and then walked off. That was how he did it, things. And he reminded mm-hmm. me a lot of that, even with the trunks, the black trunks he had on. But he was adjusting over and over again. And we kept breathing hard. Mm-hmm. But he would like put his hands up. And it was, it was very much a you know, wild, like you said, un- unorthodox prison mm-hmm. training boxer. I I my life goal is to have as much swag as he had on that beach when he confronted him. <laughs> <laughs> like the swag, the swag that buddy had, Jeez or even when he's like leaning on his car in like the beginning of the movie, yeah. he's like, "What up, bro?" I'm like, "Yeah, yeah I aspire to have that much swag in my body, right. in my life, in my soul." To have holes in movie. your shoes, look homeless as hell, and stuff. That much. I was like, "Damn, I've right. seen home, I've seen countless homeless cats out here in LA, and, I, and none of them had that much swag." You none convinced of, me to do whatever the hell you wanted at that point. You said what? I said it's a way of life. It's a way. That's <laughs> <swag is> crazy. <laughs> That's why it's crazy. Um, and I, I enjoyed their dynamic as well. As yes, I, I thought the the relationship between Adonis's, um, I guess, surrogate mother was very much so uh, detailed in this one. And I said this. I said that 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 gym scene was my favorite. I ain't gonna lie. This may be my favorite. This is gonna be my one and two as far as favorite scenes from the film, in which she's passing on and. She's kind of hallucinating and believe that she's speaking to Apollo yeah. and he's talking about how yeah, you saved her. And I'm like, man, bro, I was crying about that. Was, that yeah, got me right me. here, bro. That yeah. should kill me. Because she thought she was talking to Apollo and mm-hmm. she was thanking and she was saying, Apollo, your your son saved, saved me. me. Yeah. So he so she doesn't know that she's talking to that son. Yeah. That shit yeah. was bro. That shit yeah, it, me, but it, but it, it made it full circle as far as when he back to the day when he was like eight or nine, or whatever, and she found him in the in boys in the boys' home or, or mm-hmm. the uh, juvenile. She was in he was in juvie. Uh, but yeah, I agree. It was awesome. Yeah. It's fantastic. Yeah, the um, there, <laughs> Damien. So here's one thing too: not to get too nerdy when it comes to writing. Y'all know how I am about writing. I can't stop sometimes. So mm-hmm. Damien is meant to represent what they call a shadow. Um, in in writers' terms, sometimes a writer shadow is isn't actually a physical manifestation at all. Usually, it's not. But in this case, it actually was. Damien was from his past, represent everything that he was trying to get away from, all of his dark sides, all all the things that he had done, all his mistakes. Was represented by Damien, so to speak, and Damien actually looked essentially like a a, ver- a darker version of Adonis. He actually was a he went to prison for a long time. He had, he, probably, he boxed like a prisoner. He boxed like a, a former prisoner or a convict. He actually had um he was bigger a bigger version of that. He fought mm. dirty. All these things. That's what a shadow self is essentially. So what Damien, so what Adonis was doing was confronting his shadow self, so to speak. Mm-hmm. It was it was dope. Um. Yeah, I mean, getting to some of the gripes on it. Uh, well, one, I felt like the they had a lot of a couple setups in that movie that they didn't actually fully pay off. Yeah, yeah no one like uh, like the the whole incident where the the daughter you know punched the girl in uh, at school. Like, yeah, they, uh, I feel like they set up yeah. that to be more of a, a plot point within the movie, and it never really like actually materialized fully. Like it was addressed somewhat, but not really. Mm-hmm. Um, they set up uh, like a actually a bit of a tension between um uh Tessa Thompson and and uh, Damien's character. Um, like I, I thought yeah. that could have uh, like could have been a plot point that they expanded on, especially if they were to extend this. Because like my but before we even got into this movie, like my my 
best case scenario was them to, to set this into two movies, like, like Rocky or oh, Creed three would be them uh, having this big beef and then they come together to fight and John Majors actually won it. And mm-hmm. Creed four would have been, you know, dealing with something like the aftermath of that, seeing some of the relationships change and then, uh, you know, them coming back and fighting over again. And then Creed wins that one. Now that would have been my perfect mm-hmm. scenario for that, but I'm not, I'm not too upset that they didn't go that way. But it did feel like a couple things were a little slightly rushed um, within this, especially like within like the dynamic of like the personal relationships between Damien and uh, Creed. I feel like they could have uh, done more to expand it besides having like that one. Like they really only had like two major confrontations, mm-hmm. one being on, you know, uh, ESPN with Stephen A's show and then two, the beach scene when. Creed punches another random dude and instead of he could go to prison for that but he was like yeah like knowing your history like that's that's jail time this is silk you want like a pimp like this is this is Versace he don't touch that this man down too like that was, yeah, like, was a, like a jab and like he was holding his face like dude was on the ground even he didn't he get back up either if he walked away later on then he was still down the ground that guy was still down bro he was so, out he was bro. I'm like nobody out. checked on him like your friends <laughs> no, he had no friends you got some yeah. fake friends bro did nobody flinch when you got knocked out <laughs> <laughs> that's crazy that's wild man yeah uh, I'll, I'll go ahead and address some gripes too one thing was if uh, Adonis was in fact retired for five years and he came back, that's a long road. To, I mean, you can't just like, I mean, we all saw George Foreman years later after he came back from retirement. That was a hard, hard road to toe for him to get back into the ring. It mm. seemed like Adonis came back, literally split, and I wasn't sure what his motivation was. Was it just to fight Damien, just to shut him up? Was like, why are you so mad at Damien? I mean, you can, I guess you're mad at him, but you have to beat him in the ring to shut him up or something. Like, what? what is the actual real motivation here for this? I get it when it came to uh, in the first in the in the second film with Drago, he was still the defending champ, and essentially it was a massive like he it was a, because he was disqualified during the fight. That's why he had to go back and fight him essentially to prove he actually earned the belt or it was was, was worthy of the belt. But with mm. this to come out of retirement after five years just to fight your old friend, it's like is that really enough a reason to do something like that? I guess maybe. Uh, and then the other thing was, and this is another nitpick, was just it, the end of the movie after the, the fight's over, they they kind of let it go on too long as far as the whole family time with them like in the ring and mm-hmm. oh I'm a happy father with my daughter and stuff like yeah, I get it you, it's cool you have a family I know you're setting up the whole the rest of the franchise possibly having Amara be a fighter but this is going a, l- a little long in the tooth here we can we can edit some of this down so so just to hit tackle a couple of those points you guys brought up which uh, they are very valid. Uh, the daughter thing, daughter fighting thing, I like kind of what Ethan said. I, that to me was blatant them trying to set up another trilogy down the line of his yeah. daughter being a fighter now, rather than being boxing or another form of fashion of fighting. Which honestly, I'm excited because that, like, the, I'm I'm excited to see how that's handled because you have a deaf fighter now, so there's like a million different issues and dynamics and things you can write in there to make that make sense. That's one thing. Um, I, I agree with you on the Adonis point too. The Adonis Tessa Thompson weird chemistry they had going on was something that I was believe was kind of unresolved. I felt like I didn't really know what they were trying to go for. I, I get they were trying to give a way for Tessa to get a window into the things that Adonis was running away from, but I felt like their personal connection was kind of cut early. Um, and again, kind of agree with Ethan as far as the point of them holding on to that. Well, I don't, I don't, I don't agree as far as them holding on to it too long. To me, that felt like the final scene of a trilogy. Like you're gonna drag out the ending as like a uh, an applause sense. Like to me, that's what it felt that's like. Right. Yeah, yeah. Now it's they have another. They have a Creed Four. Now I'm pissed. I'm like, what was the point of you dragging that out for so long? But which is which is in production supposedly. Creed really, four is in, it's in pre-production. Oh god. Yeah. Okay. So I don't know what yeah. the fuck they're doing about that one. Then does that? Yeah. So we'll I get into that. This this the issue with. Yeah. The sequel thing, because now you're milking it. The third one is ended here. Yeah, it, well, obviously, right. cash coin is coin is real. Coin is very real. But it seemed like you said that's a perfect curtain call. It seemed very much. I know you haven't seen the end of uh, the Lord of the Rings trilogy yet, uh, uh, Charlie. But Otis, mm-hmm. you know the scene at the end of Lord of the Rings with on the bed jumping mm-hmm. around. That's basically what that was. But it made sense because at the end of the trilogy, it's okay, we're done. And even then, we're not went on too long in Lord of the Rings by far, but. Yeah, it felt did. like yeah, way too long. boy, that movie could have ended like four times, literally four times, but, uh, <laughs> at least another episode. Uh, yeah, that's that's another, <laughs> another episode, but uh, <laughs> but it, it felt kind of like okay, we get it because also people, I saw people with the guy I was next to, I was it was the 
me and Cito and then two other friends are with us is a group of us. And the guy next to me, like, was checking his watch a couple of times during that scene that the scene was there in the, <laughs> in the ring. So, like, okay, I got you, but I got you. So, yeah, so, yeah. It, that's what I feel like. And for the point of him coming out just to fight him, to me, that was just a pure testosterone ego and pride thing of like, yeah. he's talking shit on national television. And I got to fight him at that point. That's what that felt like to me. Like, yeah. to me, this movie wasn't, at least the trilogy itself, it's a fighting, it's a fighting movie. I, I can't think of too many sports films with a plot that intricate. Like, we know at the end of the day, you're watching a sport film for them to play this sport. You just need to give them a simple reason to play the sport and everything mm-hmm. else follows along with that mm-hmm. to me. And mm-hmm. it to me, it made sense. Um, partly, again, I think for what this trilogy is as a sports trilogy it was fine to me i thought that the writing wasn't too crazy i thought that they allow for influences of other mediums and culture was excellent and on point there for what the characters were the way it was written i thought that we were able to connect to adonis and all three of us in multiple different ways in multiple different movies i thought that was really well done for different people to connect to him at different points of his life for different reasons was really well done as well and just the way it was shot i think from the first one to the third one progressively got better and the way it was shot and the action was really crisp to me from either just the camera quality maybe to just the way that the choreography was done i'd be very interested to look up who did the choreography for this and how like the training process for it because it it looked really dope for me yeah yeah, and then, I mean, yeah. we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about uh, one of the things that Charlie's favorite parts of uh, a lot of movies is the music. Because, I mean, oh, hey, my boy Cole got busy in that training montage. I was like, hey, bro, I'm like, mad as hell, I don't know what song it is. So petty having him have a verse after that. I was like, what are you doing? Like that, <laughs> yeah. The Sean versus Cole, though. I thought the Sean versus dope. Petty. I thought it was, the like, it was cool. Like it was I'm a big cool burst, though, so but I'm, like I'm, I'm biased. If you're thinking that's gonna compare the immaculates of that that cold first that he had yeah, while John yeah, Majors yeah. is going up these two ropes, like what is he doing? They had to right. do John. Uh, like you know, right. but Sean Sean had a nice verse too. I'm not gonna hey, Dreamville is up. We had our hands all over this trilogy when it comes to music. Some of the best parts of it, some of the best music came out of it. The Shea Butter Baby track from mm-hmm. the second movie. Uh, the I had to listen to the song in its totality, but the boss track at the end, um, that they used for the outro, I think I sent you guys a video of it where Michael yeah, me, uh, studio yo, and everything. Yeah, did yeah, the yeah. whole soundtrack yeah. for Creed 3. For three. So, really, for the whole yeah. okay, I know they did the whole thing because I know yeah. Jid had a song on her too. I don't think the song was in the movie, but it was like on the soundtrack that was really good that him and Luke did. Yeah, my, my boy, that's on the, uh, the mm-hmm. soundtrack, yeah. Hey, and like, hey. even the uh, the opening track up right too, now, if y'all remember when they, when they it's like, I guess, the, I guess it's the flashback, but it shows them when they're teenagers. And they're driving to the actual uh, event for Damien to fight as for Golden Gloves or have you. I mean, that that track was great too, dope track. So I mean, all the all the music was great. Mm. Actually, all the music throughout the whole trilogy was great. Um, Dreamville, the, yeah. So it's yeah. So I mean, it's I, that's a huge highlight for me is the the music musical score. Yeah, I, I, I ain't gonna lie, I thought it was kind of random that they had all these Dreamville artists in, and then they had Kalani in the actual film. I'm like, damn. Yeah. I mean, she was great, but. Yeah, all these Dreamville artists make music, and can none of y'all like pop in for this? Like Ari couldn't pop in for this. I guess they didn't want to spring for it. I don't know. It is what it is. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, like yeah, thank you for bringing it up. I totally how how I feel like a, I feel like I'm fake now because I talk about music so much and just forgot about music for the film. But that's a good that's films. a good sign though. There's so much other good things or things to talk about that uh, music, which is huge for you, you almost forgot mm-hmm. about. That's that's say that tell you something. Yeah, you were so so because we haven't rated or reviewed any of these films before now, let's go ahead and give a uh, a rating review for the first one up to the third one. Started with Creed 1. What would you guys give it out of 10? Start with Otis. Uh Creed 1, I'm probably giving it a 9 out of 10. Um it gave me most of what I wanted from a movie. I agree. I'll probably give it an 8. Point, I'll probably give it a 9. I was going to say 8.5, but I'll give it that bump to a 9. Nice, right on. Uh, I, you know, I, I have to give it a ten. I mean, it, it literally changed my life, mm-hmm. so I had to give it a ten. And um, I, I, I mean, I, I get it. If I'm not trying to say it's perfect, but for me, it's it just it really hits. So, okay. Uh, moving on to the second one, Otis. What are you giving the second one? Two. I'll probably give that one like a like a seven and a half, eight. So I will give it eight. Eight is fine. Mm-hmm. Give it eight out of ten. I, I give it um. I I probably have to give that one a nine too. I want to give it a ten. But there are yeah, some I gotta, I gotta give it I gotta give it a second watch. That's my thing. I gotta watch okay. it for a second time. All these movies I watched for the first time right next to each other. So 
I yeah, think yeah, a second yeah. watch yeah. probably give it a more accurate score, but I give it a nine as well. Fair enough. Yeah, I, I rewatched it again a couple when Casey was in town because Casey loves the Creed movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, upon another viewing, I've seen it like three times, three or four times now. Uh, some of the things I was more, you know, that I was more quickly about earlier viewings, I wasn't as bad about this time. So I'll give it a solid eight. I give it a solid. I mean, I still mm-hmm. love, I still love the character. I love the world. I really, really do love Victor Drago a lot. He is the Brawly the version of Brawly that you know is really mm-hmm. cool to see. So. And finally, the the big Kahuna, the most recent one, the third one. Uh, Otis, what are you giving it? I think I'm going to give us a nine too, because uh, again, like it, it, it had so many things that I enjoyed heavily, but there are some issues, like with, mm. with well, we 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 pointed them out, like some some slight things that they. Uh, one thing that you well will see, like going through all the POIs that we've done on this show, I'm a really big person for setups and payoffs. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I didn't feel like they paid off all of their setups fully, so I can't give it that full ten. But it uh, mm-hmm. still really thoroughly enjoyable movie. All right, yeah. I agree. I, I I believe though that for me personally, that the the big spectacle moments and the big emotional moments, those were to me were done so well from the fight scenes to the emotional scenes with his surrogate mother. Those just hit so much for me that I, I'm willing to overlook a few of the issues with all those setups and lack of payoffs and then it that also will depend on if those setups are for future installments or if that was just something they just forgot about for this movie as well so i think that that dictates that but for me this third one and being the blurred and all the anime influences that are involved in it and how well they were done i'd give this a 10 for me personally that's fair i don't you know no, no protest from me uh, i would give this one a solid 8.5 um for me, it, I mean, it's really, really good. I really enjoyed it. I had a lot of fun with it, too. And I'm sure a hundred few future viewings may raise their score. Uh, they set up some payoffs that Otis mentioned. One of the things they, they set up in the very first fight was the whole idea of essentially uh, and Adonis says, like, oh, checkmate. I have I have a checkmate for him. And it seemed mm-hmm. like that'd be kind of a running theme. And even when he's doing the same, the kind of the um, the division. I was going, waiting ever, for a checkmate to be said in that last never fight. Never says it bro. again. Like, never, never comes up at all. Also, they, they showed it. Up, they they showed the vision, yeah, but he doesn't say mm. checkmate again because he's because he's, he's with Wood Harris, Wood Harris again as far mm. as his boxing coach who knows him. That's that's what, that was his old thing to do. And he doesn't mm. use it, and also the as far as a setup with with Damien, Damien, uh, the whole thing was he had a massive like right hook that was really cool. You right. think that's his, his, his signature move? It's his signature move in that one fight in the very beginning when he's a teenager never comes up again. It's like why they bother setting that up so much so heavily? Right, like, right, was right, kind of, right. So, uh, but but again, these are these are small gripes. Think about what think about the the accomplishment of this movie of this franchise to have three good movies. Are you fucking kidding me? That's so rare. It's insane. It is bonkers. So, uh, if you think I'm complaining about anything, check yourself. I am not. This is fantastic. I grew this thing out and this thing out just for this dude. <laughs> uh, uh, I literally at the dealership had someone say, "You look like Michael B. Jordan." I almost cried uh, on their lap. I was so happy. So, <laughs> so yeah. Don't worry about that. Oh I mean, man, he, he knows my my uh, reference towards him too. Because I mean, one of our characters in Briarlands is modeled off of Michael B. So I'm mean, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I, I, I have to agree. It's probably a, a potential POI that I like to do as far as going into the succession of legendary IPs, which I think me and Otis talked about it briefly. Up until this point, the only ones we could think of off the top of our heads were the Tree Trilogy and the new It Trilogy that happened. As far as bringing back an ip that was really well received in the past and trying to redo it or make a succession of it um those don't really go well <laughs> very well at all no, it's, unless they're uh, maybe unless they're animated sometimes it's very hard to do and yeah. they did it and all three movies were well done and well received i'm like hey man kudos to you but again man, this, is tes- this is a test this is a testament to kugler and MB- yeah. mbj yeah. which has me even more excited about how uh kugler's gonna do the king dynasty because Hey, you got Jonathan Majors and Coogler again. I'm like, hey, bro, it's going to be. I know a lot of people are kind of looking at the MCU kind of way. I'm just waiting to see when when Coogler and Jonathan Majors get together again and see how they do. Because those are the big spectacle movies, and I think those are going to be probably the best movies out of the MCU in the history so far, personally. I think they will be. Because I don't think I've seen, like, Thanos is great. But I don't know if any villain up until this point of Marvel has had an actor of the caliber of a Jonathan Majors yet, as far as villains go. Personally. No, I. The, so I agree with I 100 agree with that. Jonathan Majors, we all saw Loki. That 
Loki was a decent enough show, I guess. And then you said that final episode, which pretty much just a showcase for Darth the Majors to be standing on a desk. It's like everyone was like, "This is the greatest mm-hmm. show of all time," just because of his performance. Kang in the, that a Quantum Mania, we can. Yeah, yeah, you can get a Quantum Mania. But the idea is just watching Jonathan Majors anytime he's on screen. It's like, yo, that's a celebrity, mm-hmm. that's a superstar. So like, you, you, you could be right having Ryan Coogler's writing because he did write. Uh, he um, did a story for uh, Creed Three. Having his writing and directing and influence, and having Jonathan Majors as his, uh, you know, star, mm-hmm. be amazing. Be hey, amazing. bro! All that we need to do is bring Michael B. Jordan back from the dead and see what happens. I mean, they did before. Spoiler alert! Hey, hey, hey! I predicted that niggas thought I was crazy. I is, granted it wasn't in the way that I thought it would be, yeah, but I said yeah. he'd be back to some you extent. Did say, you did say he'd be back. You know, just Coogler, don't don't drop the ball with the ending like you did with Black Panther two. Because uh, what the fuck was that? Okay, that's okay. that's another show. Too. That's another. <laughs> yeah. that's, the, that's another. We, oh, we to, still got to review that at some point. I forgot we, we yeah that. we didn't review that. Um, we got yeah we got a bunch of stuff to do. Got a bunch of stuff. To yeah, do. but yeah, guys, uh, you guys have any closing remarks on the Creed trilogy? Yeah, uh, again that that fight, the end fight, Kakashi Obito level anime fight. I mean, that's mm-hmm. you could tell Michael B. Jordan said, "I wanted to have fun. Let me just do this one thing," and I'm I'm so glad he did. He may never get a chance again, so why not uh, do your thing, brother? Thank you. Yeah, I hope this movie makes a billion dollars just to show that. Uh, How much is it made? Let me check. So I think it's already broken some domestic records already. I think. Yeah, um, it uh, broke the record for uh, highest gross sport movie in a single weekend. Now it's after two weeks. So let me see here. Do 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 do. Trying to find it. Oh, of course. Now more. I just wanted to make more money than Black Panther two did. Oh my god. I I don't think that's I don't think there's enough hype. Well, there's hype around it, but the mass amount of nerd Marvel fans versus boxing fans. I don't I don't know. Yeah, I think this is a person. Personally, I think this is a significantly better movie than that. But there are a lot of issues that Black Panther 2 had to deal with that this movie didn't have to deal with. Yeah. To handling death and handling all kinds of convoluted storyline and plot points. This movie was able to be a movie versus that second one. There was a for for me personally, I I won't get into it a lot because we're gonna do a review on it at some point, probably. There is so much for Coogler and the writing team to deal with with that second movie, both within the franchise and in real life. For what it turned out being, I enjoyed it. I thought it was probably one of the better MCU movies personally. Um, but yeah, yeah. But that's yeah, I mean, yeah. I did too. Yeah, we'll, we'll get into it. We'll get we'll we'll, we'll get into that review. Yeah. We'll for sure get into that review. But I think they they Coogler made two thirds of a really good movie, and then yeah, I, I I still I mean it's it was a the ending I know it's kind of weird and wonky, but I I still enjoyed the movie. I actually liked it more than Black Panther one. Maybe yeah, it's definitely better than the first. But that's but, but, also a bad movie. But, <laughs> we'll get into all this again. We gotta get so much smoke. Uh, we gotta cancel tomorrow. But but I am still excited to see what Coogler and, and uh, Majors do. I'm glad to see that there actually are as blurs. We know that we want to see stories, compelling stories with people of color that are doing things besides just being gangsters in the hood or uh, being drug dealers. Actually doing, doing all kinds of fun and interesting different types of stories. I'm glad to see mm-hmm. that that's happening more and more now. Uh, Slowly but surely. I want my opportunity though, because as of now, I've only seen there's like, three, like two to three black men and maybe like maybe just one black woman I can think of that are getting the opportunities to tell these stories within Agreed. big big opportunities like with Jordan Peele, Coogler. Um, I think right. Nia DaCosta just got her really big break with um with Candyman working on that and leading that. Issa Rae, like you said before, Tyler Perry. It sure. seems like a lot of names we named here, but in comparison to the the other Steve, Steve the rest McQueen. of the field, there there's it's a really big uh, visual oh, yeah. visible gap there. Yeah, there's so. a massive massive gap. Like I said, it's slowly but slowly but surely. But I think it's becoming more understandable that people of color enjoy entertainment that is not just uh, a day in life in the hood. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, did you did you find the numbers for the that you're looking at? So, Box office mojo. Now I'm sorry, my internet's having issues on my computer. So I'm trying to look at here for Creed Three. What the total box office is? So total. Let's see. Oh my gosh, what's the total box office for this movie? Uh, so the total box office. The one show we don't have box, speed is crazy. Yeah, no. What, what the worldwide box office now so far for Creed Three is 178. Uh, I'm sorry, 179 million dollars. 
That's not bad. It deserves more. It's, it it's only for one week. Going from last, like, mm. I guess, Thursday, Friday to this week. Is that opening week or is it just this past week? In total? total. It's total worldwide. Yeah, it came out on the third and it's the twelfth, so like a week and a oh, half. Oh damn, that's yeah, man, that feels like forever ago now. Now, okay, yeah, I'm ready to see this movie grow in uh, success. Yeah, go, it, go watch Creed three. Go watch Creed three, y'all. Yeah, it's it's fine. It'll do. It'll get. I mean, it's fine. It's doing really well. So yeah, we're good. We're good. And and I, I didn't mention this part that it was it got eighty eight percent on Rotten Tomatoes. All three of the Creed movies, ninety five percent, eighty three percent, eighty eight percent. That's staggering for a trilogy to be that high. The last time that happened with a trilogy was with the Toy Story. Where they're all mm. like 100 percent or 99 percent. Uh, usually, there's always a dip somewhere in there. Yeah, Especially on something as inconsistent as Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, yeah. It definitely didn't happen with the Matrix. Why? Have you seen? That? Have you seen that? I was waiting for the Warner Brothers job, and I knew he was going to sneak it in there. So let's go ahead and close this out before we go. <laughs> oh yeah, we had, we had to close it. Anytime there's a Warner Brothers job, you had to close out that. Of right, course, right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, guys, this is a great franchise. I enjoyed it. My co-host thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, we're going to be reviewing more stuff. If you guys have any other requests for movies that may not be on the, the new up and up that you want us to look at and review, let us know in the comments below. Um, again, this has been another episode of the Then and Out podcast. I'm your host, C. Diesel, Lelouch V, Professor E, King of the Comics, Ethan Murphy, and we'll see you guys next time. Peace. Peace. Let's see if John Wick 4 can get anywhere near like above a 7. Jesus Christ. Shade. <laughs>